It's time! Drew Doherty and John Harris have their white coats and their goggles on, and they're ready to talk Texans in a different sort of way. Uh, Let's go in the lab. For the first time in the history of In the Lab, we're doing a show after a victory. John, how wonderful is this? Very wonderful. Very Uh wonderful. It's sort of surreal. Drew, I'm... I've been trying to get my Texans replay show up, which you can hear Tuesdays at 8 o'clock. I've been trying to get that going and get it rolling. And every replay show that I've done since the middle of last November has been after a loss. Yeah. And so I like to break down the game and talk about the key plays in the game. And I finally get an opportunity to do a replay show after a win. And it just dawned on me that we get to do in the lab after a win, too. It's going to be fun. It's It's going to be fun. So here's what we're going to do today, John. We are going to give back or give out – an obscure game ball, each of us, to a, a different player on the Texans. We're going to have a key turning point that really is not about, like, you know, the uh, the sack by Clowney and Overton. It's, it's kind of more obscure. We're going to di- dive a little deeper. Yeah. And then we've got a matchup to watch, Cowboys and Texans. Specific matchup, like, uh, you know, this guy versus this guy. This guy. That guy. Not like you. the whole game, okay? You. We're going to be specific here. So let's start off. With game balls, and I'm jumping the gun here. I don't want you taking mine because I've got. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm worried. I didn't prepare, so I don't want you to uh, okay. take my one that I, I prepared. But Trevor Daniel, punter, gets a game ball from me. It's a good one. It's a great one. I love that. First, I love that. First three punts all inside the twenty. Okay, one was down at the two, and it led to the uh, the botched snap by Ryan Kelly yep. that Jadavion Clowney. Pounced on for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. The next two were fair caught inside the 20. He had a fourth coming up that was inside the 20, but the guy got loose for a 19-yard return. I can't remember who it was, but kind of could have bottled him up and brought him down. And then he had a fifth one. Uh, so four of his five punts were inside the 20. He really helped the Texans in a huge, huge way that we don't focus on, we don't talk about, but the field position made the field a lot longer for Luck and the Colts and allowed the Texans to do some things and. uh Darn it, I'm giving mine to Trevor Daniel, and I wish I – w- I'm happy that J.J. Watt got the strip sack and the Texans got the ball back, but that big play by J.J. kind of obscured what I thought was my best tweet of the day because Daniel punted that ball, and I that, that one ball, and it got down to like the nine. So I said, Trevor Daniel's third punt of the day, fair caught at the nine by Manu Ginobili because <laughs> what's-his-face just like got – Brushed by Sandy Coates, and he <laughs> fell down and flopped. And, yeah. That was that was fantastic. I was proud of that tweet, but it you know got swallowed up. By it's all the such good a great news. gif. Yeah. I've seen that that gif, gif, whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. I've seen it a few times. I saw the, the NFL posted that. Some some Jeff Balky, Jeff Balky did, and I re, I retweeted it. Somebody like around the NFL did that, and it was so <laughs> so, so funny. <laughs> the thing about Chester Rogers this is going to sound sort of weird, but I actually cheer for Chester Rogers a little bit. When he's not playing the Texans, even though it's the Colts, I cheer for him. He is apparently the best friend of a guy uh, who was my son's mentor over at Westside High School for oh, okay. a few years. That's cool. And so he, he, David used to ask me, he coaches D-line over at Westside, and he used to ask me all the time. He's like, hey, hey, what do you know about Chester Rogers? What do you know about Chester Rogers? And I was like, well, he signed with the Colts, so I hope he's not very good. And he's ended up <laughs> turning out a, a pretty nice career for himself and done a pretty nice job for for the Colts. Uh, that's a good one. I like that. I like that. 
All right, got to go kind of obscure, you know, because I know we know, and I know I'm you, you. I'm not. I, I'm. I'm explaining this to the listener. I know you know this, but we. Hey, yeah, Clowney deserves a game ball. Watt deserves a game ball. Watson deserves a game ball. QT Hopkins, they all deserve game balls. But we're going a little bit more obscure. We go in the lab. That's what this is all about. So, Johnny, who's your game ball guy? Zach Cunningham. All right, I like it. It's weird. Um, the pass. Coverage against the Giants was not very good. No. Not was not very good. And I did not think that in all honesty, I didn't think either linebacker played all that well against the Giants. I thought B Mac played a little bit better than Zach, but I've seen Zach play much better um in other other times. Mm-hmm. I just didn't think I didn't think looking back at the all twenty two film, I didn't think the defense played extremely well against the Giants. Right. So I was a little worried with with the Colts, in particular, because I thought that Andrew would throw the ball short a bunch, that they would try and isolate those running backs, Hines and Marlon Mack, even though Marlon Mack didn't play, but Hines and Jordan Wilkins. I thought they he would try to he get them to. in the passing game and they would hit the tight ends. But Zach Cunningham had a couple of brilliant plays. I mean, he had a couple of really nice pass breakups. I felt like he was in better shape in coverage. It felt like he went back to the Romeo Cornell drawing board, got his, his bleep straight, and got it right where it needs to be. Now, there's got to still be some better underneath coverage understanding, but I felt like that was more about the defensive backs than it was the linebackers. I thought Zach did a really nice job on Ebron for the most part. I want to say he had a couple of pass defense, but I, I, I don't have the game book in front of me, but I felt like Zach was much, much better against the Colts, and that was vital. He made a couple of big plays in pass coverage. That's a really good choice, and I got three little things to follow up on that. It's good that he needs to be heating up, and because you're going to need him this week, uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Yes, without probably, a doubt. Probably the, I mean, he's leading the NFL in rushing. He's probably the best running back in the league. Yes, he rocked Naheem Hines on that second oh, play of the game. Yes, oh and my it, goodness! It's a shame that. Okay, oh. so first play, J.J. Watt gets through and stops uh, the run for no gain. Yep, Jordan Wilkins, yep. And then Hines catches the ball out of the backfield and gets planted by Cunningham. So it's third and 11, and then they get that big – they get a big uh, like 15-yard gain, and then they go down the field to Hilton two plays later. But that was a good TFL right off the bat to just rock rock him. But it was interesting. Last week we had Brandon Dunn on at the Fuddruckers show on Tuesday yeah. night. and. So I can't remember how, but Cunningham came up and he goes, "I'm not calling him by his name. I'm going to call him 41. I'm not going to call him by his name till he has a good game. He 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 can play better, and I know he's going to play better. But 41, 41 is going to be okay. So I I bet you he's along the same lines as you. I bet he's calling him Cunningham again. Brandon does <laughs> yeah. because Zach had a good ball game. That that was a good. I like that choice, John. That's a really good good one. Okay, since I hogged the game ball, I'm going to give you the key turning point or key point key series. Doesn't have to be. Uh, limited to one thing, but go for it. What is it? I got one, and then we can bandy this back and forth if you okay. want. But I felt like the crucial there there was a very there was a crucial moment in the game, mm-hmm. and the defense, although struggled in the fourth quarter, I felt like the defense came up with a stop after a turnover. I want to say for the first time all year, and it was vital. Twenty-eight to seventeen. Luck had just driven the t- the Colts down. He gets the score. They, Texas have been up 28-10 after that long drive. Yep. They come right back down and score on a shorter drive. 
And I kept thinking, well, now it's, it's just back to work time. We're going to have to grind this a little bit because Will Fuller had been out of the game. And you could turn an eight-play series into a two-play series if you got Fuller because he's going down the field. And they had taken that long drive to start their quarter. And so I thought 28-17, just get back to work, go down, answer the field goal. They just answer their score of the field goal, answer their score some kind of points, three or seven. It'd be great if you got seven, but just answer it. Sean throws the interception. Pierre Desir makes a really nice play. It was not a great throw. It was a little bit behind hop. But either way, they get the interception. And they're in Texans territory. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh, man, here we go. This is going to be dicey. First play, they get nine yards. So it's second and one. Then in succession, merciless tackle for a loss, loss of three. Third and four, clowny tackle for a loss, loss of three. It's fourth and seven, and that put them in no man's land. Probably too far for a field goal, probably too close to punt, so they decide to go for it. Mm-hmm. Eric Ebron, false starts. Now it's fourth and 12. Now Not they punt. punt. Yep. So 28-17 could easily have been 28-24. And at that point, because it's the third quarter, they can kick the extra point and make it 28-24 and not feel bad about it. Yeah. But because they had to score later, and they, that had, to made, they had to go for two yeah. because they were down 11. So that kept points off the board. So to me, they're two unknown spots. The second one, I'll, I'll, I'll wait to see what you come up with. But to me, that one mm-hmm. right there was as key a drive as anything to keep them off the board after that touchdown to make it 28-17 after a turnover was absolutely massive. I like that one. Mine, my key turning point, my key thing, first drive of the second half. Yeah. You go 8-21. You burn eight and a half no. minutes off the clock. Okay, you get a touchdown. You go up 28-10 to at that point. But what that did, I think, was ultimately it kept the game out of reach from them. Right. It kept it kept them from running away, really, right. because they started gashing you on defense. Aside from the one you brought up, right. but they chewed up so much clock on that that it closed the window on how much they could score, how much they could get after you. I loved what I saw there. Fifteen plays on that drive, John. Mm-hmm. You know how many times they faced third down on that drive? Once. Yeah. Only one time. Now, it wasn't perfect. They had some penalties. They had some some gaffes there on the drive. But they kept moving the chains. They kept doing it on first and second down. And I really, like, I loved how they executed on it because they, like we saw throughout this whole game, they mixed it up offensively. They really took advantage of everything, every weapon they have at their disposal for the most part. And I thought that was a beautiful drive. It was, to me, I think that was the best drive of the year. 15 plays. Yeah. Didn't face third down, but once. I love that one. They had, I, I want to say there was a holding penalty. There was some sort yep. of penalty. Although they had, a, they had like two, I think. And they got, and I want to say they got them in back-to-back plays or near back-to-back plays. But then, as I said, going into the week, sometimes you need some help from the other team. And they got an illegal hands-to-the-face call, which gave them an automatic first down, which mm-hmm. kind of reset everything. So there was like a three- or four-play sequence where it was penalty, penalty, Colts penalty, back to first down. So it was like they almost got to wash each other out. But I kept looking up and seeing the time go off. I was like, wow. And here's the one thing that stood out to me, Drew, about that drive in particular. There's two things. Number one was we've seen those clock-killing drives in the past from the Texans with Bill O'Brien as coach. We've seen that before. Yeah. But the majority, if not all of them, have gone for three. Yep. Not seven. You're right. They've gotten down there, and they've gotten close, and it's like, oh, darn it, we ran off eight minutes a clock, but we only got three. This one went for seven. 
The second part that I remember was the touchdown play. Mm-hmm. Hopkins and Watson had, had connected for the fade route earlier. But they did it on Milton number 28. When they came out on that play, they were aligned such that Hopkins was out to the right against Nate Hairston. And I'm watching, and I see the two – I see Hopkins sort of kind of make a motion with his hand. Mm-hmm. And I see Watson look at him like – and he kind of points, and then Watson points out the mic, and then he kind of looks at Hop, and he kind of nods at him, and they kind of look over there. And I watch Hairston. And Hairston literally backs up like a step. Uh-huh. Like, he kind of backs up, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. He takes a snap and runs the quarterback sweep the other way. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, that's I, brilliant. I wonder how that's much, brilliant. I wonder how much they noticed that, how much that was, you know, that was preconceived. Like, hey, let's kind of throw him off with I'm, this little. I'm sure they probably came yeah, up with, with this body language stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. I, I, thought like it was, that. I thought it was really neat because I just happened to see that. I was like, that's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's really cool because I thought, I almost thought they were calling a shot at first. And I thought that would have been cool, too, because you don't really. I mean, Hairston's a smaller guy, so he's just got to get it up high for Hopkins to go up over him. But then when he took off and started running to the left, I just started laughing. I didn't even know what the result was going to be. I just started laughing. I was like, that was pretty cool. And then he got in the end zone. They replayed it, and, and he got in. But that was, a, that, was a, that was a really great way to finish the drive. Not the deception so much, but mm-hmm. just the fact that they were able to take that drive all the way down and get points. Mm-hmm. I felt like that. The one thing about – remember the movie The Waterboy? How could I forget? Remember the game against uh, – Louisiana University or whatever it's called, and Dan Fouts is calling a game with Brent Musburger, mm-hmm. and he kept saying, it's the last game of the year, Brent. you got to let it all hang out. Remember that? And he kept saying it, and finally Brent was like, I know. Do you remember that? Yeah. That's kind of the voice that was reverberating in my head, except it was, you're 0-3. you got to let it all hang out. And they did. And that was kind of the way I felt like they approached the entire day with some design runs, obviously, Deshaun on that one. Some things they did with moving Deshaun out of the pocket, with some of the orbit motion, jet sweep motion, all that kind of stuff that they uh, that they utilized, and I hope they continue to do it. Uh, that was it was fun to watch. It was effective. They've got to execute a little bit more down in the red zone, as Bill O'Brien would tell you. But I thought against a very young, athletic, confident defense, they moved the ball when they really needed to. Yeah, and you score thirty points on that defense, thirty-seven in total. Uh, pretty good, pretty good afternoon. Okay. Let's look ahead to this Dallas Cowboys game. Matchup to watch for me, Ezekiel Elliott versus Zach Cunningham and Bernardry McKinney yep. and a host of others both in front of you and behind you up on the defensive line and then maybe behind you like Tyron Matthew. But those two guys in particular, they've got their work cut out. This guy, every week, his rushing total has gone up in yards per game. He's coming off his best game of the year because he had four catches for 88 yards in addition to the 150-some yards he got on the ground. He leads the NFL in rushing by about 90 yards. can't remember who's second. Todd Gurley maybe, I think. I think it's Gurley. Um, This guy is a supreme talent. He's the focal point of their offense. you got to know what he can do. You know what he can do, and you know he's going to get his. Yep. But you just can't let him get too much of his, I guess, is my thing. And yeah. that's why I was encouraged by what we saw from Cunningham. Still can get better. That's why I want to see Bernard McKinney thump him a few times there on the ground. Yep. That's what that's what I'm looking at. That's what I'm really not concerned with, but really want the Texans to do well in. No, I'm with you on that one. I think slowing down the Cowboys is really about 
Ezekiel Elliott. And the, the thing that scared me most more than anything is like our, our run, the run defense has been decent. Mm-hmm. It's been I would say it's been good. It was excellent against the Colts. Yeah. Well, that's not a run game you'd think is is going to push you the way that potentially Dallas could. No, no. What bothered me a little bit when I think about the run defense was what New York was able to do. Who's, they've got a back like that. Yeah. I mean, Barkley's a, a right. top five back, I think. That's – I'm I'm a little bit – that worried me a little bit. But I do think that what was going wrong for you up front that game seemingly is rectified, and I think you'll be in better stead against the Cowboys at, at first glance. I think I'll have two of them kind of to play off your your um, play off yours a little bit, and then I'll put one on the other side. But I think a very key matchup is going to be the Cowboys' interior, which includes Nick's brother Zach yep. at one guard, Joe Looney, who is replacing Travis Frederick at center, and then Connor Williams is the other guard. Now Connor's a little smaller for a guard. But he's a really good young offensive lineman. Played left tackle at Texas. Zach Martin is one of the best guards, if not the best guard in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And Looney is, is replacing Travis Frederick, who's been injured. So those guys going against DJ Reader, done inside, I think is going to end up maybe determining the entire outcome of the game because mm-hmm. they're going to they're going to dictate how much Ezekiel can run inside. And if our guys are plugging lanes uh, and are plugging it up with Dunn and Reader and Cove and, and whoever else is playing inside, if those guys are doing a good job inside, then it allows the linebackers to play Ezekiel one on two on one or one on one. Mm-hmm. Well now they gotta make tackles. The one thing you cannot let Zeke do is just go downhill. It cannot be a downhill running lane. If anything you gotta make him bounce and then you can just get dudes to the ball at that point. If you can make him bounce, it doesn't mean the play's over, but it does mean you should get additional help to the football at that point. And you got to set the edge pretty well against Swaim, the tight end, who's a, a strong blocker. I don't think he's a great receiver. He's a decent blocker. So the edge guys got to do it. But I think inside, Reeder, Heath, Covington, who's ever playing inside against those three guys, that's, that's the battle to me. That's the battle that we've got to win. Let's say, at least on one snap, they do their job. And then, coming from the edge... Devion Klein, can he do it for the first time? I've been talking about it since he oh, got I know. Can he do it? Can he do the impossible that I said he's going to do? Meet Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott at the same time, pop the ball loose. Can he do it this game, Johnny? Gosh, I hope so. That'd be Boy, fun. Can you imagine if he did that? I'd love it. On Sunday Night Football against that team? Oh, my gosh. Here's, here's my other one. Okay. And... I, I always I always worry about a guy coming off an injury who then plays and then has a game like Kiki QT did yep. and then coming back in following weeks. We unfortunately saw that with Will Fuller. He had the hamstring injury, and then half halftime of game four, they talk about taking him out because they don't want it to get worse or yeah. it's gotten worse or whatever. I, I worry about that. And I hope that Kiki's okay, that he can just continue to play and pick right up. If Kiki is 100,000% and ready to go, I think that QT against whoever's going to play the nickel for Dallas, whether you put Anthony Brown in there, whether you put Wouzier, move him inside, whether you use Jordan Lewis as the nickel, whoever that nickel is is going to jump down there thinking they got QT one-on-one <laughs> and think they've got him. And Now, they may want to try and press him, and that could be dangerous. That could be very dangerous. But if they press him, they better have some help over the top because when teams did that in college, he ran by him deep routes for touchdowns. We haven't seen yet. The Colts 
the Colts played zone most of the time and just backed off. Yeah. And that just let QT run in the open zone. So if Kiki gets pressed man, you better have some help over the top because he'll light you up going deep. So I think if he's healthy, that matchup of QT against who's ever playing the nickel, whether it's Jordan Lewis or Anthony Brown or whomever is playing the nickel, that's going to end up being, to me, a matchup to watch on the other side of the ball. John, he had a good game, but we saw him in camp. We saw him in OTAs. He can do better. Oh, there's no question. And I'm not saying that to knock him because, I mean, the guy set a rookie debut, uh, NFL, AFL rookie debut history there. Nobody's caught more other than some guy named Sid Blanks who played for the Oilers in the early 60s. Oh, don't say that around Andre Ware. I know, I know. Sid Blanks is the father of Lance Blanks. You remember Lance Blanks? Is he really? Yes. Tra- uh, Texas basketball. Yes, yeah, Texas yeah. basketball, the BMW. Any coaching uh, a WNBA team now? I think so. I think okay. so. But Andre Ware is good friends with Lance Wasn't Blanks. denigrating him. I'm just saying oh, I know. It, it took place when LBJ was a president. In the AFL. Yes. Uh, but what we saw at the start of the mm-hmm. camp in Green, at the Greenbrier, I mean, this guy can do more. Yep. He he's he was given, given good, good defensive backs fits. And I think he's going to keep on doing that. And I love once he, once Hopkins, and once Fuller are all ready to go, I love that those guys can do what they can do. Well, John, I love doing this with you. And it's always nice to do it after a win because this is the first and only time we've done it. And we thank those of you for listening to this In the Lab. So long.